In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. The spiritual struggle that every one of us engages more sincerely during Lent is both completely individual and entirely corporate. It's like climbing a mountain. Everyone has to make every step, but it's so much easier to do it when everyone's doing it together. Theologian Philo of Alexandria acknowledged this and said, be kind to everybody, for everyone you meet is fighting a great battle. It's evident, um, Father Sina and I have talked about it, I've mentioned it to other friends and other priests, um, and even other priest friends, that there was such uh, an enormous number of people that came to church on Ash Wednesday, and Ash Wednesday is not even a holy day of obligation. But between the five masses that we had, the, the number of people who came corresponded pretty closely to the five masses we have on Saturday evening and Sunday. Everyone is eager to come. Now, the cynical interpretation that some priests apply is that people come out when you, when, when you, you know, when they can get free things, right? People come out, people come to church to get the palms, or people come out, come, people come to church to get the ashes. But I, I really don't think people are coming to church on Ash Wednesday because they think the ashes are a cool souvenir. There is something about every human being which is heroic, at least potentially heroic. And every human being is a saint that wants to be fully realized. We sometimes like to hear the hard truth. We sometimes like to know the challenge that we're up against. It's easier when we do it all together. And so fortunately, the church has this season where we do all engage in this that much more seriously. At the same time, it's good to be wise in this spiritual struggle and not to get out over our skis. Our Lord's interaction with the devil after 40 days in the desert offers us a good lesson. In fact, the opening prayer refers to this experience and the hidden riches in Christ hopefully having an effect on us. So what I would like you to consider as another way of listening to a very, very familiar passage of the gospel is to think of our Lord's responses being as much to his human soul and his human body as it is a response to the devil. And listen to how it can help instruct us about how to deal with temptations. The devil says to him, if you are the son of God, command that these stones become loaves of bread. Listen to his reply being not so much to the devil, but possibly just simply reminding himself who he is and what he's about. It is written, one does not live on bread alone, 
but on every word that comes forth from the mouth of God. Our Lord and Savior really is God. His divinity really is joined to a human soul, a human body, a human will, a human intellect. His human soul can weary. His human body can weaken. And they need to be steeled. The devil took him to the holy city, made him stand on the parapet of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you with their hands. They will support you, lest you dash your foot against your stone. And Jesus answered, perhaps as much to simply remind himself who he is, what this is all about. Again, it is written, you shall, put the Lord your, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. I'm not going to put God to the test. I'm not going to put God the Father to the test. Third temptation, the devil took him up to a very high mountain, showed him all the kingdom of the world and their magnificence. And he said to them, all these I shall give to you if you will prostrate yourself and worship me. It's, it's very clear by this time, if we're paying attention to the details, the devil doesn't know to whom he's talking. I'm sure it's been pointed out a few times before. Every time he's, he's engaging, he's saying, if you are the son of God. The devil's been observing this man all his life. What he does, what he says. He's heard everything that's been said out loud about him. And he is puzzled. He's trying to figure out who is Jesus what is Jesus? If the devil knew who Jesus was, do you think he would propose that God worships the devil? It's impossible. You know, the devil's dumb, but he's not stupid. At the same time, Jesus does know exactly to whom he's speaking, he knows this is the devil. Finally, he says words that are obviously directed directly to him. At this, Jesus said to him, get away, Satan. It's on the back of your St. Benedict medal, the RS. It's the only words you ever should really say to him. Don't ever engage him in conversation. Don't engage him in argument. Just tell him to go away simply and once. The exclamation mark that's on your text for this getaway Satan, I don't even think we should propose that, that our Lord even raised his voice or yelled at him or got angry. I don't think his heart rate went up or his blood pressure spiked. It was simply emphatic and simple. Get away Satan. And what does our Lord say after that? 
It is written, the Lord your God shall you worship and him alone shall you serve. Well, Jesus also knows it is beyond impossible for the devil to worship God anymore. That time is past. It's not possible anymore. It's not possible for the devil to serve God. That's gone. He had his chance. It's over forever. Maybe even more clearly, can we listen to these words in this, in this different manner and, and think of our Lord saying these words as much to himself or even he's saying all these words to us. It is written, the Lord your God shall you worship and him alone shall you serve. Our Lord loves and worships and serves and obeys God the Father. And so one possible lesson to draw from this rehearing of the gospel is that when we're, when we're besieged by temptation, a distracting thought, a tug at our heart in a bad direction, we shouldn't, we shouldn't argue with it. We shouldn't tussle with it and get wrapped all up in it. We just dismiss it. We talk to ourselves, we remind ourselves who we are, what we do, what we're about, where we're going, resolutely, calmly, confidently. We may occasionally tell the devil to go to hell. He's the only person we can say that to. St. Peter and St. James teach us the same lesson. Tuesday of night prayer. Night prayer is always very short. If you're going to get into the liturgy of the hours, it's the easy, easiest way to incorporate it into your day. It's, um, not even five minutes long. It begins with a short examination of conscience. Uh, one psalm, maybe two if they're really short on Wednesday. Very short reading. little passage from the gospel. The reading on Tuesday night is from 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 to 9. Stay sober and alert. Your opponent, the devil, is prowling like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Solid in your faith. The fuller paragraph uh, is even more helpful. So this is 1 Peter 5, verses 6 to 11. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that in due time he may exalt you. Cast all your anxieties on him, for he cares about you. Be sober, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same experience of suffering is required of your brotherhood throughout the world. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, establish, and strengthen you. The letter of St. James gives almost the exact same advice. In a nutshell, be firm, be calm, don't, don't fight back against the devil. Just, just stand your ground and resist. Eventually he goes away. 
He gives up. Eventually, it's a waste of his time. But if he knows he has your attention, if he has you talking to him, if he has you arguing against him, he has begun to win the battle. Instead, we just ignore him. We might tell him to go away. Eventually, he will. So in the letter of St. James, chapter 4, verses 7 to 10, Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you men of double mind. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to dejection. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. The exact same phrase from 1 Peter 5. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. We mourn our sins. We do penance for our transgressions. We realize that even the things for which we have apologized, the things that we have confessed, will take a great deal of time to heal. We will have to apologize to people many times, not just once. We will be humbled for the rest of our lives, being reminded of what we've done, what we shouldn't have done. But if we humble ourselves in a way that draws us closer to God... He will be our strength in our life and lift us up and exalt us. If we're embarrassed by our sins and run away from God, we're lost. So we ask for real divine contrition that leads us closer to mercy. And then all the battle going on around us, the the war that's being waged over our soul, we can... We can permit God to take care of that. When we humble ourselves, we know that we, as human beings, can do nothing against an angel. But God can do everything. It's fitting then that as, as, as babies, as young children, we are taught prayers that in a vacuum seem rather shocking. So that already as young sons and daughters of God, we are very familiar with the realities of this battle and our sentiments that need to be um, resolute are already comfortable and familiar to us. Just think of the prayer most of us say most often, the Hail Mary. How shocking it is to realize that there are you know, young children saying, Pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. You would think that we're all preoccupied with with our death. Why are we talking about that so often? So that we're not scared of it. In particular, with regard to the spiritual battle, think of the, the prayer of the Saint Michael, Archangel prayer, which we pray at the end of every Mass. And many of us pray it so frequently. St. Michael, the archangel, to fund us in battle. We are protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. Do thou, Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits, prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. 
It sounds like we're, we've got a, a helmet on and we've got a spear and a sword and a shield and we're grimacing and we're shouting. But we're not when we say that prayer because we're Christians. We know that the devil would like nothing more than to ruin us and to send us to hell forever. And we know that the response is calm, peaceful, resolute faith and confidence in God in the intercession of the angels and the saints. We will be attacked, and if we simply resist, the devil will flee. It won't just happen once. We'll go through it many times. So I encourage you to be ready. If you are going to take another step closer to God, the devil will try to prevent that from happening. Don't argue against him. Don't fight him. Just tell him to go away. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.